sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Have your pick of sports this weekend as we've always wanted it. One of the biggest golf tournaments in the world being played this weekend at Augusta National. Of course, the Masters in 2020 being played in November. Of course, college football rolls on. A lot of postponements, by the way, this weekend in college football as well. we got NFL going on, some boxing as well. And, Joe, I know that we also have some Major League Baseball news to discuss here in the second hour of the show. So good afternoon. Good afternoon again. Look at us. Hour two still going strong here. I know we got a great hour coming up here. A lot more wagering and DFS talk for FanDuel as well. But uh, some history made today. And, uh, and also, unfortunately, an untimely, or should I say, you know, no passing is ever good. But the football world lost a great, I don't know if you saw this, about 25 minutes ago or so, Green Bay Packers and Notre Dame great Paul Hornig uh, passed away at the age of 84. So 2020 continues to take away a lot of legends of sports that we all kind of grew up not even seeing play, but also just hearing the stories of. So obviously, uh, you know, a very sad day for all those Notre Dame and Packer fans out there, too, and his family. Yeah, uh, Paul Hording, I think, uh, South Florida resident. I'm pretty sure I'll have to uh, check on that one. All right. Uh, rest in peace, by the way. Want to make sure that we say that. Thanks for bringing that up. Okay, here on this Friday, let's get to our headlines. The Masters, college football, NFL, boxing dominate the sports weekend. I'll be all over it Saturday and Sunday. Doubt about that. Well, you guys know I'm all over this story. Kim Ng named the general manager of Miami Marlins. She becomes the first female to ever become the general manager of a professional sports team. Also, of course, Asian-American as well. Congratulations to her. Ongoing discussions about delaying the college football playoff. Maybe we'll have this in February instead of January, which would be interesting if they had the college football playoff. Mm. Maybe one week before the Super Bowl. Could be fun. Ivy League cancels all winter sports and 11 NCAA football games off the board this weekend due to COVID-19. It has been a tough, tough week, Joe, for college football. Some of the big games in the SEC postponed. I saw Herm Edwards. There's a report for Arizona State. His game postponed. He has COVID-19. And so as the cases rise in the country, we're losing a little college football. NFL keeps pressing on, and I guess that that's what we have to hope for at this point. But doing due diligence as far as fantasy is super important, which is why a lot of the picks that we make in the Super Contest and a lot of the decisions that you make in fantasy, yes, you can get ahead of the game on waiver wire Wednesday or Thursday, but you also have to make sure you pay attention on Sunday to see who's in and who's out. I have done more secondary waivers this year than ever before in the history of me playing fantasy football for know, 20 years or whatever it is. I, I mean, I can't even tell you how crazy it's been. It's like everybody you pick up even, and then you have more injuries or more COVID injuries or more something else, or this game's been moved or whatever it is. It's just been crazy. I, I it's, it's become basically my pattern now is okay. I put in my people on Tuesday and then whoever I get, I have to look and say, okay, now who am I putting in on Saturday? <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I have somebody who can fill slot c b d i don't know it's just continuously going on and on and it is going all over the world here and it's it's still uh like everybody said was going to come back with force in the fall and here we are in the fall and winter time and it is back with force and something that i hope everybody out there is taking care of themselves and taking care of each other at the same time and and if it means postponing things or moving things around whatever it is let's just be patient with that because it's all about the safety of the people involved first and foremost it's a football game at the end of the day it is not life and death. I know a lot of people like to make football this feeling of life and death, sports this feeling of life and death. It is not. It is a game. 
And yes, we take it very seriously here, but it is not life and death. So if it means adjusting playoff schedules or adjusting where teams play, we talked about in the first hour, right, that the Raptors might have to move to Tampa for a little while, potentially. These are adjustments. Everybody's learning to make adjustments, and sports is no different. We're making these adjustments along with it here on the show constantly. This is not the normal show that we would be doing all the time, right? We're constantly trying right. to change and update what we're doing, and we're all making adjustments. And how about you, Craig? It's not the worst thing in the world if you're going to give me the college football playoffs on that weekend where there's no NFL football. Hell, that works for me. <laughs> yeah, they'll have to figure it out. It's it's not going to be easy. And, and again, you have so many teams that are going to end up playing eight games, some teams playing three and four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coastal Carolina, I know that they're not a household name. Honestly, they're not a, a household name for me also. But they have had the best start to any team in college football, and they got hit this week and are not going to be able to play due to COVID-19. They've been one of the great stories this season because, again, Joe, they're not even in the top 25 if the Pac-12 and the Big Ten don't start late. But because they did, they got a chance to sneak into this thing. We know that they're not going to play in the playoff for the championship. They're not going to give them a chance to do that, no matter how many games they win. But they could play on a New Year's Day bowl game, and that's obviously huge for them. So. And uh, you know, a team and that was not on my radar. It's used for them going forward because it helps them as a recruiting tool. It's like, hey, look, we're an up and coming uh, team right now. We're an up and coming program, and and you know what? It, they might not be able to play with the big boys this year, but maybe in a couple years they use this to start to bring in that kind of talent and start to recruit that kind of talent. It's like, hey, look, you know, you didn't get the, your your full ride to the school. Well, guess what? We'll give you the full ride. You come here because we're building something. We've seen this happen in the past. So there's opportunity here, despite all the madness. There's opportunity not just for players to show their medal, but also uh, different college programs as well to show their ability here to to show where they are. And maybe some of them are are growing better and faster than people realize. Yeah. Okay, we got to take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports Today. We are so packed with action here in the second hour of the show. You want to stay on the grid and stay with us because coming up next, Jim Sanis is going to help you set your lineups in DFS from top to bottom, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, all the way through. Following that, we're going to go ahead and and give leans on the Westgate Super Contest, and Howard Bender will join me for that as well. And then we'll come back to wrap up the show with some fantasy reality. So make sure you stay on the grid. Stay right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. This is Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes talking some DFS action, talking some betting action, and everything else under the sun. Fantasy Sports Today continues. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's time for our deep dive into the DFS slate over on FanDuel. And FanDuel.com, of course, we talk wagering, but we talk DFS every week, how to build your lineup correctly with Jim Sanis of Number Fire. You can follow Jim on Twitter, at Jim Sanis. It indeed turned out to be a very high-scoring week, Jim, as predicted last week. A lot of tight lines in the NFL this week, too. A ton of lines, minus one, minus two, minus three in terms of wagering. I wonder how that will translate to some close games in DFS this week. Thanks for coming on. 
Yeah, and it's pretty similar to last week, too, because a lot of those tight games are high-scoring games. We have the two games out west between the Rams and the Seahawks and the Bills and the Cardinals. And whenever you get a, a game with a super high total and a tight spread, that is delicious for stacking. So to me, I think the slate revolves around those two games and then try to deciphering, try to decipher which of the value running backs you want to use. But to me, I think those two shootouts at West are the true headliners here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not having uh, Dalvin cook at running back, it's been like easy, easy pickings. <laughs> if, if, unless you're playing with the Monday game too, then of course that's different. So, all right, let's start off with just, you know, the main slate, like we do every week, we go through some of the values here. We start off at the top at quarterback, see if we can maybe find somebody to potentially play if it's not going to be one of the main guys. But I have a feeling we'll probably select one from this list. We have Russell Wilson at 8,900 in that potential shootout against the Rams at the Rams, by the way. Kyler Murray taking on the Buffalo Bills at 8,800. He's the number two priced quarterback on FanDuel. Has moved all the way up there. How about that? Josh Allen just a tick below at 8,700. Then... A little bit of a tier below that. We have Aaron Rodgers going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Jaguars defense has struggled mightily. Deshaun Watson, 8,300. His rushing ability, no doubt, always in play. Houston is at Cleveland. Justin Herbert on the road at 8,000. Brady coming off that Monday night game of 7,800. And then Drew Brees, 7,600 in that matchup against the 49ers. Typically a good defense, typically a good team, but 2020 has not been typical for the 49ers. They've struggled quite a bit. Where are we going to quarterback this week, Jim? To me, it revolves around that Bills-Cardinals game because I think that Kyler Murray is the number one quarterback on the slate. Josh Allen is number two. It's a great, great game to stack because both sides are good offenses with rushing quarterbacks and neither defense is all that imposing. Murray specifically is averaging 68 rushing yards per game this year, which is equivalent to more than one and a half passing touchdowns from a, pa from a fantasy perspective. So the floor is amazing. He's had at least 23 FanDuel points in every game. He's top 33 in that game. So Kyler's number one, Josh Allen easily number two. I think that Russell Wilson is in the discussion for that number three quarterback on this slate. And then after that, I think it is okay to potentially consider spending down. Jared Goff is facing the mm, Seahawks, and right. you know you really do need a lot of passing production for a non-running quarterback for them to pay off. But Goff can do that. He had 395 yards against Seattle last year. That's kind of what you need out of a non-running quarterback to make a perfect lineup. So I think to me, I want to get as much Kyler and as much Josh Allen as I can, and then Russ after that. But I think at that point, it's okay to go down to guys like Jared Goff specifically, potentially some Drew Brees as well in that game, as you mentioned, against a battered San Francisco defense. Yeah, this, the 49ers defense was usually great, not only in season long, but DFS, but really hard to trust them at this point. And just coming off that dismal performance last week. All right, uh, running back here. Let's start off with our potential uh, top guys here. And again, Cook Monday night, so not on the slate here that you're going to see. McCaffrey's probably going to be out. So uh, no need to mention him. So let's start with Alvin Kamara at 9,000 against San Francisco. Aaron Jones at 8,800 against Jacksonville. Nick Chubb is back this week. Would you throw him in a lineup at 8,200? Uh, we have Miles Sanders at 7,700. James Conner down a tick lower at 7,600. And then Kareem Hunt will stop there at 7,500. The reason why we're going to stop is because we could keep going. I mean, <laughs> you, you got to really dig deep this week at running back. There is no question, Jim, we are searching for value in DFS this week at that position. 
Yeah, and it's tough to decide which value plays you want to trust. So to me, Craig, I think that the move I want to do is spend down a wide receiver and tight end and spend up at running backs. I think there are a big three at running back and Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones. And to me, Miles Sanders is actually in that tier. Lane Johnson will be back for Philadelphia. They've also got Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard back. And there is at least a chance that Isaac Sayamalu could play too. They've had only 25 snaps the entire year where they've had Isaac Sayamalu and Lane Johnson on the field at the same time. I don't know if Sayamalo will be back. He's announced this with two, but practicing. So there's a chance he could be out there. And if so, Miles Sanders would be awesome. I think he'll be awesome without him regardless. But I think that to me, it's Kamara, Jones, and Sanders is the big three. If you're looking for a value running back, I think my favorite might wind up being Jarek McKinnon. I think I'm kind of alone in this because uh, it's been mostly talking about Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, and guys like that. But it sounds like there will be no Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman once again this week. And the last time those two guys were out back in week nine, yeah, the 49ers got trucked, but they didn't have Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, or Trent Williams. All three of those guys will be back for Sunday's game. So I expect the 49ers offense still not to be its full self, but to be competent at least. McKinnon played 74% of the snaps in that game and had a good workload in the first half when things were still semi-competitive. So I actually think McKinnon is my favorite guy among the value backs at $5,500. Davis is fine. His role did diminish down the stretch without McCaffrey. Duke Johnson's fine uh, because I, I kind of think that Scotty Phillips might get run off their practice squad for that team. So they're okay. But I think McKinnon's my favorite. But overall, Craig, I still, despite the potential for value, I want to find ways to get to guys like Jones, Kamara, and Miles Sanders. Not in on Buddy Howell, I see, from Jim <laughs> yeah. Sanders this week for, uh, for Houston. Uh, I said on, on the show earlier in the week, Jim, I had a feeling. I, I still do. I have a feeling there's someone we're not talking about yet on Houston that ends up being a factor for the rest of the season. It may be the guy you just mentioned, Phillips. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, Duke Johnson's a nice player, but whenever it's been, he's been the main guy, there's always been somebody coming right behind right. him too. Well, and like the, the interesting thing here is like, they obviously have no incentive to tank because the dolphins have their picks, right. but they still have an incentive to see what the younger players can do. Duke Johnson's not that. And we've seen no. a lot of chances no. for Duke Johnson to get a hefty workload with two different teams. And it's never happened. So that's why I'm skeptical. I think that, you know, Howell, uh, he's a, he's a, a, a special teams guy, but he did get some offensive snaps last week. So maybe it'll be him. But I think that Phillips is a guy to keep an eye on there too. All right, let's move over quickly to the wide receivers here. And Devonte Adams, a plug and play every week, 9,500 this week against Jacksonville. How long he'll be in the game may be the only question. Hopkins, 8,600 Arizona against Buffalo. Michael Thomas, 8,500 against San Francisco. DK Metcalf in that matchup against the Rams. Luku checks in just below them for the first time all year. Stephon Diggs, 7,900. Can't deny how good that guy has been. Uh, Allen at 7,800. Cooper Cup at 7,700. And you got to have some stones, I think, to play anyone on Tampa Bay, Godwin included. I don't know what to make of of their offense and wide receivers. I suppose, Jim, you may win a million dollars playing Godwin or you <laughs> may get a zero. That's the way I feel about the Bucks wide receivers right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for me, I want to, you know, I mentioned if I'm going to spend up for a running back, I got to spend down a wide receiver. And I think you actually can do so while getting exposure to those big shootouts. I think that the main guys there are Christian Kirk, John Brown, and maybe even Josh Reynolds, Christian Kirk, $6,300, really good workload for him since he came back from his injury. A lot of downfield work, a lot of red zone work. I love to see that. I think that Kirk at 63 makes a lot of sense. John Brown, really good workload last week, a revenge game for him as well, facing off against 
against his former teammates out in Arizona. So John Brown at $5,600, I think is the best play on the slate at wide receiver relative to salary. Josh Reynolds week three on has had about 29% of the Rams downfield targets, about 16% of the overall targets. That's not great. And he hasn't had a lot of, you know, yardage. But I think the potential for yardage is there in a shootout against a team that has trouble cornerback plays. So I think to me, Craig, I want to focus on those three guys in those two shootouts, Brown, Kirk, and Reynolds. And I think that they're kind of the focal points for me at wide receiver to allow myself to spend up for guys like Kyler Murray and that big three at running back. Yeah, and and I think that that's great advice. But, man, we are going to really have to zone in on a couple of guys here. So before we go, Jim – Uh, As soon as I'm done every week with you, I go ahead and I start my first shell for a lineup here. Give me the couple guys that I got to start with. I think you build around the running backs here because I think that there are just so few running backs I feel good about. I want to get Jones, Kamara, and Sanders in there. You can do that. It's not necessarily easy. It does force you to make some concessions elsewhere, but I think Austin Hooper is a low-salary tight end play. The Raiders are kind of interesting at defense at $3,500, so I would say, Craig, get those running backs in, or at least the running backs you like most, and then build from there. Try to find value at tight end, wide receiver, at defense because I think you can actually make it work with a high-salaried quarterback and those big three at running back as well. All right, there you go. Jones and Kamara. Got to plug them in right now. You got to go set your lineup right now over on FanDuel. Take Jim's advice. Follow Jim on Twitter, at Jim Sanis, and all of his work over at Number Fire. Always great catching up with you, Jim. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Craig. Same to you. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Our picks against the Super Contest, against the spread in the Super Contest are now. We're not going against the Super Contest. We're in the Super Contest. I'll get my head right today. More fantasy sports today coming up next here on Sports Grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And then came last week, and unfortunately, we fared with a 2-3 and three record. And Howard joins me now here. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at RotoBuzzGuy. We're going to go through each and every game here on the slate at the Westgate Super Contest. Give us your early leans, and then we're going to make our pick Saturday night over on WagerAlarm.com's YouTube. Uh, Howard, it is great to see you once again here on this Friday. How would your week go? Week's been good so far for me, Craig. Can't really complain about it. Did some digging into the weekend lines. Got some stats that you might be very interested in. So without a whole lot of uh, line movement right now from the last time you and I have talked, I'm ready to get back to business. Let's do it. All right, so let's take a look at it. And, of course, uh, we usually pick the games on the weekend. Now, Howard and I, on Saturdays, text back and forth. On Fridays, we start to get our early picks going. And usually by the time Saturday morning comes, Saturday afternoon, we make our final picks. Those of you who watch our show and watch this for the picks, I know thousands of people watch our YouTube streams here on SportsGrid and over on Wager Alarm. Uh, We're going to bring Howard back in two weeks Uh, before Thanksgiving. So in the past, I think in the last three years, there may have been one time we used the Thanksgiving games. And I I think we said we would never do it again. I'm pretty sure. But I don't know. Maybe we will do it again this year. We'll see. Uh, But either way, that will be the Wednesday edition of the show. So it'll be in less than two weeks, because again, our programming on Thursday on Thanksgiving is preempted by uh, football discussion. Same thing on Friday of Thanksgiving week. But we're here this week. We're here next week for sure. Let's dive into it and take a look at the first few games in the early part of the slate. We have the Steelers minus seven at the Bengals. 
We have Detroit back at home, minus four against the Washington football team. Alex Smith, the quarterback of Washington. We believe Matthew Stafford, the quarterback of, of, of the Lions, and maybe that's why it's only four. And then we have the Cleveland Browns, Howard, minus three against the Houston Texans. So we could start with those three games, I guess, and then take it from there. Uh, I, I look at these games. I think Cincinnati is, is a live dog. People feel like Cincinnati has been one of the surprise teams of the season. They certainly have played extremely well against bad defenses. But against the good defenses, it hasn't gone as well for Joe Burrow. So I wonder which way this would go. Obviously, uh, you have to wait and see with Roethlisberger on Sunday, too. That's clear. Lions win, lose, win, lose pretty much every week. And then Cleveland off a bye here, Howard. And that line is now three and a half. Um, you know, I love Cleveland on a bye as long as Chubb is in. If Nick Chubb is in, Kevin Stefanski is going to go back to that ground and pound it uh, and really slow the pace down. I'm all in on the Browns if Nick Chubb is playing. If he's not playing or if he's really limited, uh, I might have to pull back on that. Fun fact here about the Cincinnati Bengals. They've lost their first game coming off of a bye for the last four straight seasons. Their last win after a bye week eight in 2015. Mm. So if the Steelers are cleared from COVID, if Big Ben is uh, under center, I'm looking at the Steelers laying that seven points uh, in, in that as well. So uh, those are my two leans on that game. I don't want to touch Lions Washington. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do like Cleveland as well. And and I don't even think it's more about Chubb. It's more about just making sure that Mayfield is it was back on the practice field, I believe, a couple of days ago. So as long mm -hmm. as he is there, I, I see no reason to think that Houston playing for nothing at this point. Uh, and, and look, Watson is the king of the backdoor cover. That is true. At the end of the game, he has the football. He's covering things. But is he covering a plus five or is he covering a plus three? I think that's the big difference there. Well, and that's that's why I want to look at whether Nick Chubb is in, because if Cleveland doesn't have that ground game running, uh, then they're going to end up blowing that lead. And that's yeah, one they of their, that's been their biggest problem. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we saw that against Dallas, right? Yeah. When Cleveland played Dallas. Yeah. All right, uh, let's let's look at the Packers and Jacksonville Jaguars here. That's the next game on the slate right now. Green Bay's minus 13 and a half. Line's been going back and forth 13, 13 and a half on FanDuel. But at the Westgate, 13 and a half is the number. Eagles off a bye right now. They're three and a half at the Giants. The Giants have been one of the best covering teams in the NFL this season for sure. The Buccaneers are back after a horrible Monday night, minus five and a half at Carolina. And then we'll close our conversation out with the first game, first late game of the day. We have the Raiders minus five against the Denver Broncos. So, uh, look, I, I think Jake Luton comes back to earth a little bit here this week. I know he had a great week last week, but the line is is 13. Uh, Philly's off a bye here. I do feel good about them a little bit, but the Giants have been really tough to go against because they seem to cover a lot. Don't know what to expect from Tampa Bay and Carolina. And then as it pertains to the Raiders and Broncos, the only thing that I would say about this game is certainly I don't think Denver is good. I don't think they're well coached at all. But I also don't remember the last time the Raiders were a five-point favorite in any NFL game. That I don't recall. Week 14 of last season, the Raiders were actually a seven-point favorite over the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's been the last time. And Jacksonville uh, won the game, correct? I believe Jacksonville did win that game, Outright. yes. Outright, yeah. Yeah. So I like the uh, I like the Broncos lean as well. I think Drew Locke has found his swag. I think that uh, the last two games have shown some really nice things about this offense that it can open up. So that's my lean there. I won't touch Packers game just because of that spread. Good we line. don't like yeah. laying that many points. Um, and that hook always scares me. It always makes me a little nervous <laughs> there as well. Um, 
Eagles Giants. Listen, you know, it's a divisional game. These two teams play each other very tough. Uh, Giants defense has definitely been improving over the last couple of weeks. Uh, that might be a home dog that I, I could look at. I could see this coming down to a field goal at the end of it and getting that extra half point uh, really kind of entices me. So Bucks Panthers, uh, you know, I mean, do I think that the Bucks could come out and just hammer them? Yes, I actually do think that they could. I think they got embarrassed on Sunday night by the New Orleans Saints, and I think that they could uh, easily cover this spread. So uh, but I, you know, you, you and I, we don't like jumping all over the favorites, especially a road favorite. No, and it, and it almost never works. It's just the reality of, of sports betting. Okay, let, let's go to some of the other later games, and then we'll go to the uh, uh, Sunday night and Monday night games. So let's close it out here. Cardinals and Bills. The line is two right now, but the Cardinals are minus one and a half against Buffalo. That does seem like a little bit of a fishy line for sure. Rams minus one and a half against Seattle. Divisional matchup there. Saints minus nine against the 49ers. And the Ravens uh, uh, taking on the Patriots. The Ravens are minus seven on the road there. I, I guess I would like to start with Saints 49ers. In a normal situation, I'd have to go based on precedent and say the Saints can't cover these lines. They're, they're never covering as a favorite this year. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen that in many games. But I'm a little worried at this point that San Francisco's done. You know, like, I don't know. They just are, they played so bad the other day. Maybe I'm wrong on Mullins. I, I thought Mullins would be viable, but their injuries have just piled up to the point where I, I still thought at the end of the year, Howard, they could be eight and eight, nine and seven. I don't know that I'm feeling that way anymore. So I may have to pass on that one. Th these lines are good, very tight this week. Saints have a great run defense. Uh, 49ers going to be without Mostert again. They're going to be without Tevin Coleman. So it'll be McKinnon and Hasty going back and forth. But I mean, listen, Mullins, Garoppolo, there's really no difference to me. There really is no difference. I agree, so, but Mullins has played worse than Garoppolo, though. He has. He's played worse. Really? I mean, I kind of remember a game where we uh, we took the 49ers. Uh, I think it was against last Miami. Listen, last year he was great, Mullins. but Or two years ago, I'm sorry. I don't think two he played Two years ago that. he was fine, but... But but and, this, I mean, listen, off. they get the weapons back, though. Like, Ayuk is back, Bourne is back. So, you know, I, I, I would probably avoid that game just because of the way the line is uh, is set on that. Uh, Ravens, I have no problem taking them. Uh, even again, yeah, even with the way Lamar Jackson is played, there's just so much badness about the Patriots right now that I just, I, I can't, I can't get on board with them at all. Uh, I would take the Bills as a as a road dog because it's a close game. It's a point and a half there. But, uh, man, I just, you know, Kyler Murray versus Josh Allen, I think the edge probably still goes to Murray, though, mm. uh, for home. But, man, it's just we're lined up on all these favorites right now, so I kind of want to avoid these games. Yeah, no, it's it, it, we got we got a tough week ahead of us this week for sure. I think we have, like, we're going to have two leans coming out of this thing. It's not what we want to do. All right, so uh, on the schedule, again, the Ravens play the Patriots Sunday night, but on the Westgate schedule, we, this is how we line it up. We go one by one in the Westgate contest schedule, and the and play 25 is the Dolphins. Dolphins are minus two at home against the Los Angeles Chargers, and then Monday night, we've got the Vikings taking on the Bears. You've been really good on the Vikings, on or off them, so I think I'm going to ride you here. If you're willing to take the Bears, I think I'm willing to lean that way. I'd be willing to take the Bears. I think everybody's watching the way the Vikings have been playing. Bears run defense, rock solid. That matches up well against the run game. So we're looking at, what, in the cold, Kirk Cousins? 
relying on him that much. No, I'll lean the Bears there. Here's the one that I want to take a look at, man. Uh, it's it's a crazy game here. It's a crazy lean. Dolphins laying the two points at home against the Chargers. Here's my stat for you, Craig. All right. Starting rookie quarterbacks from California teams are a combined 1-13-1 in the Eastern time zone wow. since 1970. The wow. last win, Jim Everett, 1986. Wow. Yeah, that's that's staggering. We're all waiting for the game that Justin Herbert kind of <laughs> tanks. Miami's defense is, is the one. rolling right now. All right, listen. Give me the I Dolphins, baby. That. I could get behind that. All right, so let's let's review here. So our early leans are Cleveland minus three, Miami minus two, and Chicago plus two and a half. I think that's all we're really coming out of today, right? I don't think I don't think we're strong enough anywhere else to make a final decision. No, we're back at well, I think we like the Broncos at plus five. I do like Denver a little bit, plus five, yes, that's true. So I think that's the lean there as well. All right, we'll leave it at that. Saturday night we'll make our final picks over on Wager Alarm and wageralarm.com. Make sure you stay tuned to that because that's when it really goes down. Final picks are made. Howard, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Follow Howard, by the way. Also, some great fantasy football advice over at Rotobuzz Guy and, of course, at Fantasy Alarm for all the fantasy content. Thanks again, Howard. It's always great to talk to you. Always a lot of fun, too, on this Friday. And we'll we'll speak again tomorrow night. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Craig. All right. Howard Bender with us, as he is every single week, going against the spread. Against the grain sometimes, too. Hopefully this week, 4-1 and one or 5-0. and oh. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid. So make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And hey, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia, of course. It's a big weekend for football. Also a big weekend for golf and the Masters. We're going to get to that here in a second. But where will we be Sunday morning? It'll be right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Because guess who? Joe Pizzapia is going to be hosting with his cast of characters getting you ready for Fantasy Football Sunday. Joe, what's up for the show this weekend? Oh, yes. Me and my lovable scamps, Eric Young and Matt Stryker. We're like the, uh, you know, the uh, the little rascals of fantasy football right here on SportsGrid, 8 a.m. Eastern. We're going to go through the FanDuel slate for you position by position. We're going to go through the stars to sits, the latest in all the news and obviously have a lot of fun. Literally anything can happen on that show. We've proven that uh, we've had uh, some hilarious moments there. If you haven't been watching the show, I got to tell you, you really should. It's a fun time. It is part comedy part fantasy football, and equal parts awesome. So go check us out, 8 a.m. Eastern, right here on Sports Grid Fantasy Game Day. Get your Sunday NFL started off on the right foot. Craig Mish, I, I know you'll be watching. I know every Sunday you get your cereal bowl, just like you did when you were a kid and the cartoons were on, and you come and you sit by and you, you watch me and, and Eric and Matt make fun of each other. You will love it. Come on, tell the truth. I'm in. I'm in. Every Sunday morning, that's where I am. That's where I make my decisions. Listen, I, I got to find out about, uh, you know, how many points Kareem Hunt is going to have. I got to make sure I tune in for that. Uh, you know, it's it's always like 500 per week. I got to check in on the Bucks running backs because I know that's going to be very important to figure out which one I'm going to be yelling at each and every Sunday. So, yeah, that's definitely part of my Sunday morning conversation, for sure. <laughs> 
Okay, now, something we know Joe will not be doing this weekend is watching the Masters, but we'll ask him to chime in on this anyway. Tiger Woods shot an unbelievable 68 yesterday. He is definitely in the hunt. He's probably going to make the cut, although I haven't checked this afternoon's scores, but we'll find out later today. In fact, he tees off at 2.30 Eastern, so um, that's going to be the case. So uh, that'll be my Sunday, late Sunday watching pleasure, and then my Saturday watching pleasure maybe a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, fantasy or reality, though, Joe, Tiger Woods, who, of course, has some tremendous winning experience at Augusta, even recently when he wasn't winning very much, ended up winning a couple of years ago. Uh, he'll shoot under 71 again today. Is that fantasy or reality? I'm going to say reality. Sure, why not? He loves Augusta, right? And it would certainly be a good story. We could all use a good story. We love a good story here on the program. And I think whenever Tiger Woods is certainly in the uh, at least the running or one of these big events, I think it obviously is good for golf. It gets a lot more eyeballs on it. There's there's no doubt about it. In fact, it's kind of stunning in a way, Craig, that all these years later that Tiger Woods is still the draw that he is to golf. And I don't know if it's that golf hasn't done a, a good enough job of, of building these other superstars up to that same level, or if maybe just Tiger Woods was that special, unique, once-in-a-generation kind of talent. But it still feels like if you ask just the random sports fan, name a golfer off the top of your head, the first one they're all going to go to is Tiger Woods. And that's kind of strange because the best version of Tiger Woods, we haven't really seen for almost a decade when you realize it. I mean, he's had some moments here and there, but peak Tiger Woods was 10 years ago. Yeah, no, it definitely was. There's been a lot of great golfers that have come on since then, for sure. But I, I think in particular, he always makes it more interesting. And he was really one of the first golfers to show so much emotion on on mm-hmm. the on the course. And I think that's really what what built everything. The red shirt, the black hat, uh, won the Masters, by the way, recently. So wouldn't shock me to see him compete. I'm going to say fantasy. He's not going to shoot 68 again. I think he just had a great first day. He could have a great third day, great fourth day, and he could be in contention but I don't see him firing 68 again. So I'm going to say fantasy there. Now, Notre Dame last week ended up beating Clemson outright. The game was right down to the end, one of the most exciting college football games of the season. And they are 13-point uh, favorites, if I'm not mistaken, going into the weekend. So um, fantasy or reality here, I guess this is a great money line play if you feel this way. Now, I'm in on BC this weekend plus the points, but I'm against Notre Dame every week, so I'm not the right guy to ask. Fantasy or reality, BC will beat Notre Dame in the red bandana game. Fantasy or reality. Yeah, you you hate the gold domes. That's all it is. Like, you, you're just trolling them every week. Every week is uh, throwing shade at Notre Dame. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to say fantasy. I'm going to say fantasy. I mean, look what Notre Dame did last week. No, they're not going to lose to BC. No, can't have that. Can't have the letdown game. You got to keep pushing out there, and I don't care what color the red bandana is. By the way, I do own several red bandanas and once upon a time when you could still go to the gym and uh you know it was safe to do those kinds of things i would wear my red bandana quite often i wasn't in a gang i just don't want anybody to think anything you know weird thing but as a bald guy at the gym it's a different thing you know you can't wear the sweatband because then you look like a like a dork i mean you know it's bad enough i look the way i do but i can't wear that too but i did rock the red bandana i had the black bandana i had the different bandanas so if you see joey p at the gym He's rocking the bandana because that's what bald guys have to do. And I know we've taken a dark turn here on the show into something that nobody needs really to know. Have. But fantasy reality, Craig Mish, you own a red bandana. I do not. I do not own a red bandana. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Got several, several here for the bald dome. You need all kinds of, you need hats, you need skull caps, you need, look, what you save on hair, what you save on haircuts when you're a bald guy, 
you have to end up That's moving true. some of that capital into you know headwear headgear so yeah you got to kind of you know shuffle it around a little bit that's all you got to protect yourself in the winter you got to take yourself in the rain you got to protect yourself obviously the heat those are those are very important things here and i'm glad Thank we're you. educating the non-bald public here on the program public service announcement so craig how about you fantasy reality does bc have a shot here against notre dame no but but i think it'll be a close game <laughs> i think it'll be closer than the score would indicate look i i, I can't well, I mean, look, Liberty did upset Virginia Tech outright last week. They were getting 16. Anything can happen in any game. But I think that this game is a game where Notre Dame is trailing. They come back and win. I do think that they're supremely overrated. I'm shocked that they're going to allow them to go back into the playoff this year. Ian Book has played better. He looks more versatile than he has in the last couple of years. He's He's always been a good running quarterback, but he does seem better. It, it is... I think people are forgetting what will happen to them in, in, in a tough matchup. I understand that they played very well against Clemson. I need to give them their credit mm -hmm. for that. They'll they'll beat BC. They will not cover. So I'll, I'll take the points, but I'll say fantasy. I know the game is very important to Boston College. This game is every year, but uh, I'm going to say fantasy. They, they lose. All right, finally, the Super Bowl coming up in February. They want to have millions and millions of people at this game. I don't know how it's going to happen. They want to have a halftime show. I don't know how that's going to happen. I guess you can do a halftime show, social distancing. Sure. Yeah, I, think they could, I think they could pull that off. So they named the halftime show uh, uh, performer The Weekend. And and Joe, fan, before I get into this, I'll, I'll start with you. Fantasy reality, you can name a song by The Weekend. Oh, this is tough here because I, I gotta tell you, like, I think it's the, uh, I, I can't feel my face when I'm with you. And I'm not saying that just because I'm with you right now. I think that's the only song that I can name by the weekend. So, um, yeah, this is, um, this is not my first choice and I know I'm just an old guy and all this stuff and I, I don't need, you know, I don't need the, uh, you know, this doesn't have to be the Rolling Stones playing the halftime, and I don't need always a classic rock band stuff. I thought Bruno Mars did a fantastic job a couple of years ago. I think we've had a lot of really entertaining. Lady Gaga was great. You know, we've got a lot of great performance here in the last couple of years. But the weekend, like, I don't know. When I think of the Super Bowl, I always think of that halftime show, Craig, where they're playing a bunch of songs that everybody knows, and maybe I'm just, I don't know, out of touch. I'm starting to feel like it when this was announced, and I went, Oh, I, I can't name really any weekend song. So I guess reality, I can name one. I just named one. So now you can name one because I just named it. So it's kind of a trick thing. I wonder if you could have named another fair, one. Right. Fantasy reality. Mm, fantasy reality. Yeah. You can name another song by the weekend. I cannot. I cannot. And and I'm sorry for that. Now, look, I'm you know a very big old school uh, hip hop person. I do pay attention to pop culture. I have a daughter who pays attention to music. She is 14. But realistically speaking, I cannot tell you one song by the weekend. And I agree with you 100%. It doesn't have to be Billy Joel. It doesn't have to be Bruce Springsteen. It doesn't have to be you 2 But I don't know. I, I think that you got to hit on everyone with this thing. Last year, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Look, the, the halftime show is always Oh, I met. love that one. That was a great one. No, I'm sure it 50% of the people love it. 50% of the people hate it. It's the same thing every single year. Like, I remember when Black Eyed Peas was performing and thinking, oh, this is pretty good. And then seeing afterwards, everyone said it was horrible. I, I, I don't know what's good and what's not anymore or what the perception is, but here's what I know. I don't have any interest in seeing this. Now, no. if it was... If it was a modern artist of any kind that would give me some reason to be compelled to watch, sure, and maybe that will change by me watching this weekend on the weekend. But 
no, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be out on this. And I know that we'll have some props to talk about, some Super Bowl props by the time we get there in January and February, but this will not be one that I'm interested in. I will have no idea what song that mm-hmm. The weekend is going to start with either. Maybe the one that you mentioned, that could be it. I, I, I guess here's here's the thing. You know, there, there's one band still, one super band to me that still hasn't done the Super Bowl that I would love. And it is my favorite band. It's the Foo Fighters. And they haven't done it yet. And that's a catalog of music. But I also understand they've been trying specifically over the last decade to kind of counter-program the Super Bowl halftime show. They have the Katy Perrys and the Lady Gagas and the Bruno Mars and, and more of the pop-oriented artists. And they've moved away from the rock bands and stuff. But I think it would be cool to go back in time a little bit. I think cool to have the Foo Fighters or the Red Hot Chili Peppers or bands like that that have a huge catalog of music where they could rattle off a bunch. I don't think anybody's ever going to top Prince. I mean, playing Purple Rain in the rain, for God's sakes, during the Super Bowl halftime, to me, that is the ultimate, the greatest thing. And I'm the biggest Prince fan. You can see, you know, on the other side of me behind me, I've got the uh, little Prince Funko Pop there. Big fan. Always have been. But to me, that's the one that sticks out. U2 sticks out. You mentioned that. That's a really good Super Bowl halftime performance, too, post 9-11, when they had all the names there on the banner behind them. That was a, a really moving, incredible moment. Another band that huge around the world, huge catalog of music. That's what I'm looking for. Like, I want to sit down and I want to, you know, watch the Super Bowl halftime show and be able to join. And I, and I enjoyed Lady Gaga. And, and I know we have Beyonce and even Katy Perry. Where at least we got the shark thing, right? Remember the sharks? And yeah, I do. Left shark. Stuff from the Katy Perry one. Like the weekend, I just kind of look around. I'm like, eh, I, I don't know what to say about this. I, I got nothing. I can only assume he's not the only, or, or the weekend, or whatever it is, is not the only act. You know, they always end up saying, oh, and special guest this right. person, special right. guest that person. That's, that's, that's common, right? Point. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're right. I think we're gonna get more involved. It, it's almost like that. I think they call it a trial balloon. Like they put off, <laughs> they put the name out there, and then they see how everyone feels about it. And then they add to it if it's not good enough. So I definitely, I think that's the case. By the way, I was at that Super Bowl with Prince performing. I was there. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And you you got to experience that in the rain, huh? Wow. Purple rain in the rain. Yeah, and and, and when Prince did his press conference, I was at his press conference when he did it, when he did his performance. They always bring in the Super Bowl performer, well, they used to at least, uh, to the conference center, wherever that is. And I was I was in the same room as as Prince. So I guess that's the the one that you know. That's the one that got away from me in concerts. Saw the Foo a couple years ago at Madison Square Garden. Prince. That was the one for me that I just hadn't seen in concert. He hadn't played a lot of you know. Didn't do a lot touring in the last ten years before he died. But oh, that's a bummer. Uh, You know, I mean that that's that's what I mean. Like I feel like especially this year after everything going on. I was hoping that they would have named an act that I think everybody could have gotten on board with a little bit more, but I guess we're just two old guys here who don't know any weekend songs. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. I don't know. I bet. Yeah. I, bet I mean, I listen. I don't have any songs. problem saying. Yeah, I don't have any problem saying. I think it's weak. I, I think they could have done better. I'm just being. That's just my opinion. And 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 again, if it would have been like a newer Post artist, Malone, I couldn't understand more. Like, if you told me Post Malone, at least I'm like, okay, fine. That you know. There you go. But the weekend, eh, I don't know. There'll probably be more to it, you know, before before it's all over. All right, we gotta take a quick break. We have the Sports Grid sixty coming up next, and then we say so long for the weekend. Go figure that. You're watching Fantasy Sports today. I'm Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. We'll be right back in just two minutes. Don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Make sure you catch our show every day, Monday through Friday, from noon to 2 Eastern. We're closing in on the Thanksgiving Day holiday, closing in on Thanksgiving football as well here in November. We're also closing in on the end of this show. So let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia as he takes us home with the Sports Grid 60. Joe? Dear Sam Darnold, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. I understand you haven't won a game this year, and I understand that last year things didn't go so well, or the year before or the year before. And I remember you were pretty good in college, and everything seemed to be going your way, and now nobody in town is talking about you anymore. They're all talking about Trevor Lawrence and Fields and all the other quarterbacks they're going to replace you with. But don't worry, because you could take a look at last night's game and see a fellow by the name of Ryan Tannehill out there who Adam Gase nearly ruined as well, and look at him. Going to the playoffs last year, look at him this year being a fantasy-relevant quarterback, being a quarterback that people say, hey, we could go to a Super Bowl with this guy. That could still be you. A change of scenery next year might be the best thing you could possibly have. So, Sam Darnold, I know it looks bleak. I know you've been injured, beaten, battered, bruised, and lose. Lose a lot of lose. But still, it's okay. Don't give up hope because next year I think you're going to find yourself in a new place, in a better place with a chance to turn that career around. So, buck up! 2021's around the corner there, Sammy D. We'll see you there. Congratulations to the Miami Marlins for hiring the first general manager who is a woman for the first time in Major League Baseball history, Asian-American woman in Kim Ng. And I, I think that it is probably one of the better stories in baseball for this season. Her resume speaks for itself. She has deserved a job, if not the Marlins job, probably for about 15 years. The interesting dynamic that will now come of this would be the critical the critical aspect of this, meaning what happens now that she is on the job? What will the judgment be like? Will we be able to fairly judge her given the fact that she is a first-time general manager? It has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman. Simply put, she's got to bring the Marlins back to respectability. They're almost there. We have to know, is Kim Ng the one that puts them over the top? We'll find out soon. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to LTN, Brett, and Danny, of course, for my co-host, Joe Pizzapia. I'm Craig Mish. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you again on Monday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.